you got it, say so. It says, then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered and said, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king for this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your presence that is surely here in our midst. And we thank you, God, because you are moving and we know that you are speaking. And so we ask that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you would remove distractions of mind and heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears, Lord God, that don't just hear your word, but internalize and seek to apply the truths that we'll hear this morning. Lord, may you be glorified in us. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you are able to follow along. And so just keep your hand up. The ushers will get you one if you didn't get one on the way in. But I do want you to notice something about your outlines that is new this week. And so you'll notice there are two QR codes in there. So number one, if you are a first time guest with us today, all you got to do if you didn't get a card coming in, just scan that QR code and you can fill that information out there. The same thing that would be on the card, make it a little bit easier. Also, for those of you, and, you're, and if you're a guest, this also applies to you, but for those of you that may have something that you need prayer on, a specific thing, there is a QR code there for you as well, so you can go ahead and scan that, and you could submit those prayer requests, that way we can be sure to pray for you, amen? All right, so those are there to help you. So this morning, we are beginning a new series called Kingdom Critical, Kingdom Critical. If you look at your outline, I want you to look at the last sentence in the introduction there, and it is this, one of the most important messages missing within the church today is that of the kingdom. Hello. One of the most important messages that is missing in the church today is that of the kingdom. I, I think that you may hear the words kingdom sometimes and those words may come up, but these words of the kingdom are extremely, extremely important to us as the church. If you think about it, you just saw this video here and the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus' ministry started out with the same proclamation, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you go into the book of Acts, you, you, if you go through there, I encourage you to do this. Hopefully you're reading through it in this year. But when you go to the book of Acts, you're going to notice something. The message that the apostles were preaching was a message of the kingdom. Why? Because of the words that we just read that Jesus proclaimed. And what did Jesus tell us? We see Jesus' word. Look at verse 36. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. I could just preach on that for like ever right now, right? Because th th that, that sentence right there messed up the Jews of that time terribly, and, 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 and it's still messing folks up today, right? Because back then, what did they want? They wanted Jesus the King. You guys, we just did Palm Sunday a couple of weeks ago. They wanted the King, the Messiah, to come in and do what? Overturn the Roman Empire, restore uh, the, the, the children of Israel to their rightful position, and then do what? Then, hey, he, he was going to be the king that was going to reign over them. That's what they wanted. But Jesus says, wait a second, my kingdom is not of this world. Present day, it's no different, right? Like, we want God to come. If I had my way, I'm going to just let you know right now. If I had my way, glory to God, things would look mighty different. Amen. Hallelujah. In this nation, because I believe God's word is the best thing for this nation. I believe God's rules are the best thing for this nation. I believe God's ways are the best thing for this nation. I believe the kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God, are what our nation need more than anything else. Hence, theme, kingdom critical. As I think about people, and I don't know about you, but as I think about people who we walk by day in and day out, as we think about folks that we engage with who seem to be so oblivious to what is going on spiritually, there is only one thing that I know, and it is that they need to encounter the king. 
They need to encounter the king. See, when we hear this message, kingdom, what happens many times is that we are thinking uh, about our kingdom. Hallelujah. We come to Jesus, right? We give Jesus our life, and we want all of his benefits. Someone say amen, right? We want, we want all the promises, right? We learned that, right? Like All the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, right? And so we think about the kingdom, and we think that our life should look a certain way. Pastor Aldo got up here, and he talked about recycling, right? He talked about how God takes the garbage of us in our lives, and he recycles, he restores. He makes us sons and daughters of the king. And so we get those words, and we think that our lives should look a certain way. But when it doesn't look a certain way, wait a second, is the kingdom not manifesting? Well, maybe. Maybe. And in some cases, it's not manifesting. But the fact is that we have to be concerned with this message of the kingdom. So if you look at your outline there, starting at the top, whether we realize it or not, as followers of Jesus, this is important for us, we are part of a kingdom. You didn't get saved just to be cuter. Come on now. I know last week they told you you were stinky. You didn't, you, you didn't get saved just to smell good, right, that, just to put on some church clothes, right? That, that isn't why you got saved, right? You, you got saved, and, and God brought you into a family, and we hear those words family, and sometimes we forget that we are part of a royal family, that we have, that we have entered into a, 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 a family where, listen, and here's our problem. This is the reason why this message becomes so important. It's because we want to run the show of our lives, we do not want anyone to tell us what to do. We don't want anyone to tell us when to show up. We don't want anyone to give us rules. We don't want anyone to do that. Come on now, because we lived in a house where they gave us rules and regulation, and now we grown. Come on now. We don't want anyone to tell us anything. But what we seem to forget is that we have come into a relationship, not with your homeboy, I know, I know Jesus wants intimacy with you. I, I know Jesus wants a relationship. See, we hear these words, but we forget that we have come into allegiance with a king. Someone we should worship. So, someone we should bow to. Come on, y'all have seen enough movies. To, you, you, you don't have to be part of a kingdom to know what I'm talking about. You've seen enough movies. You know, they direct people. When you come into the presence of the king, what do you do? You bow low. You make sure your head never goes higher than his. Come on now. Why? Because you respect that king. You respect the authority. You respect that office. That, that, that's what is supposed to happen in us whenever we come into the presence of Jesus. But for some reason, because we're his friends, hallelujah, because we're his children, because we're part of his family, because <clears throat> all of these different things that we know about God, and because God is love, we forget that he is an all-consuming fire. We forget that he is a king to be bowed to. He is a king to be surrendered to. He is a king to obey. See, the thing is this, Jesus is the king. He has conquered, amen, and he will ultimately conquer all at some point when that last trumpet sounds and he comes back for his church, he is establishing in this moment and extending his kingdom within us, among us, and through us. We, you and I, have to understand that, that he is establishing his kingdom within us. See, when Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, what he was saying is, listen, I'm not coming here to be the king over Rome. I'm coming here to be the king of your hearts. See, go, go, go back real quick. I want you to see what Jesus said to Pilate. Look at verse 35, um, 34. 34, Jesus says, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? I want you to notice Pilate's response to Jesus. Pilate says to him, he says, am I a Jew? Like, you, you got to have that attitude in there, because I know you can read it and just be like, am I a Jew? No, no, no. Am I a Jew? Pilate's like, am I a Jew? In other words, I don't care about you being a king, but you know what Jesus, he cared about him. Are you understanding I'm a king? Pilate, are you, are you ready to bow your heart to me, Pilate? Are you ready to turn to me, Pilate? Are you ready to recognize that I'm the king? That, that's what Jesus was asking, and that's why Pilate asked the question the way he does. He's like, man, your own nation, your chief priests, they've delivered you over. What is it that you have done? And then Jesus expounds and breaks it down and says, look, my kingdom is not of this world. He lets them know his kingdom was not of this world. He is concerned with being the king of our hearts. 
First and foremost, he wants to be the king of our hearts. He wants to be the king of our lives. See, here's another thing that we have to understand about the kingdom. The moment we enter into a covenant relationship with the king, we become part of a kingdom agenda. And, and what's going to happen? It will inevitably incite kingdom opposition. I know you wanted to hear that. You see, what happens is when I become part of the kingdom of light, when I come out of the kingdom of darkness, when I say no to the enemy of my soul and I say yes to the lover of my soul, when I say yes to Christ and I come into this relationship with him, something happens. Now I am part of a kingdom agenda. Again, I told you, he didn't save you just to make you a little cuter. Make you smell a little better. Make you Listen, he didn't even save you to make you feel better about yourself. I know, I know. He, didn't, he, he saved you to make you part of his kingdom and to bring you into this kingdom agenda. But you know who is opposed to the kingdom agenda? The enemy. You know who else is opposed to the kingdom agenda? Your flesh. Come on now. You know who else is opposed to the kingdom agenda? The world. Are you here? The world system is opposed to the kingdom agenda. And so what you and I have to realize is that the opposition we feel from our flesh that says, oh, I don't need to get up and pray. I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to seek the Lord. I don't need to be engaged with a congregation of people. I don't need to be in small groups. No, all, all that is your flesh lying to you because your flesh doesn't want you to be part of that kingdom agenda. See, part of you said yes to Jesus, right? Part of you was like, man, I need him desperately. But then you woke up and you were like, man, I need him desperately, but I still want to live a certain way. I need him desperately, but I, but I still have some things I want. I, I have some things in my will. I have some things that are on my bucket list, and I've got to do those things. Wait a second. Is your bucket list part of the kingdom agenda? I don't know. It may not be. But we, we have to decide, okay, wait a second. Am I going to give in to the kingdom opposition, or am I going to give in to the king? Here's what I want you to think about this morning. When the kingdom reigns in us, the king can rule through us. When the kingdom reigns in us, the king can rule through us. When the kingdom of God is reigning in our lives, when the kingdom of God is ruling in our hearts, when the kingdom of God is moving the way that God desires, the king can rule through us. He can rule through us in our marriage. He can rule through us in our parenting. He can rule through us in our work situation. He can rule through us in our finances. He can rule through us in our neighborhoods. He can rule through us in our community. He can rule through us in every area where God places us. He can rule through us. But if he is not king of your heart, guess what he can't do? He can't rule through you. See, the issue is this, is that we want his rule and his reign, but we don't want to surrender to his will. We want every blessing that there is, right? Like, think about this, right? I'll use finances because everybody loves when we talk about money. Hallelujah. Is there anybody, I just want really quick, just show of hands. Is there anybody that wants to be broke? So I would assume the opposite is true. Everybody in this room wants to have money. Okay, okay, I want to be sure I'm in the right room. Now, 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 I'm not saying that you want to be rich, right, because that may not be the thing. There's warnings against that. But, but here's the thing. Every one of us wants to have, I think, financial security and stability in our lives. And so you know what some of us do? Here's what some of us do. Some of us, we learn a principle. It's called tithing, right? And so here's what we do. We're like, yo, I got to give that 10% to the Lord. No matter what, I got to give that 10% to the Lord. Amen. I say amen to that. Hallelujah. Right? Bless the Lord. Honor him. But I think 10% is a good starting place. But anyway, that's another message. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into that right now. But here's the thing. I'm going to bless the Lord with that 10%. God bless this. It would be, before we used to do tithes and offerings, I used to always say, lift it up before the Lord. You lift it up before the Lord in faith. God Almighty bless this. Hallelujah. But let me ask you a question. What are you doing with the other 90%? Lord, Lord, bless this. Lord, here's my 10%. But I'm going to spend my 90 how I want. The devil is a liar. First of all, you don't understand, you don't have 90%. You have 0% because it's all his. Hello. I just told you he's a king, right? You are not the king. You, you are not the, 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 the driver of your destiny. God is. All that other garbage you hear in the movies is not true. You don't create your own destiny, your own path, your own. No, no, no. There is a king that has a line that has a purpose for you, and you have a choice to get in line with him or do your own thing. It's your choice. 
you and I make that decision. So again, I use finances as an example because it's a, a clear example. There's a reason why Jesus spoke about money so much. He wanted everyone to cringe all the time. Hallelujah. Or is he going to ask for more? I'm not going to ask you for more. What I'm going to ask you to do is be faithful what God gives you. That's what God asks of us. Be a faithful steward of what he has given us. But you want to see God's rule in your finances? you got to submit all of your finances, not just 10%, not just 20%, not just 30%, not just 50, all of it. Just saying. Mm, y'all are quiet today. Praise the Lord. Talking about money, hallelujah. First thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom soil hears. Like, Bishop, what are you talking about? You were just talking about money, now you're talking about soil. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is really where I want to dig in today. Today I want to talk about kingdom soil. But the book of Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at, at Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to read beginning in verse 1. We're going to walk through these 23 verses together because I want you to see something. This is the first of many 12 kingdom parables that Jesus communicates Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says this. It says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. In verse 9, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Kingdom soil hears. Kingdom soil hears. Jesus begins in, in, his, in his ministry. If you look back to these, um, the, the prior 12 chapters, you will see that Jesus starts off his public ministry with this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. He goes through all of these beatitudes, right? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes through all of these things. He teaches on, 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 on holy living, very clear teaching. It's, he's expounding the Old Testament, makes it crystal clear. There's no way that you can read. You may disagree with what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. You may not like his interpretations of the things that he communicates and what he talks about, but you're not going to be confused. You may not like it, but you're not going to be confused because it's clear. He's expounding. You have heard that it was said that you should not do this, and he goes on, right? You should not commit adultery, but he tells you, but if you look with lust, right? He talks about you should not murder, but if you are angry with your brother, you call them a fool, right? So he makes it clear. You may not like the standards, but they're clear. Then after Jesus does that, then he does something else. It's like he goes on this healing and signs and wonders miracle tour. He starts, I mean, healing people left and right. People are lepers, are blind people. People are being restored in a powerful way. And in between all of that, Jesus is doing some teaching. And what is happening is he is slowly moving into more parabolic teaching. He is moving from, <clears throat> excuse me, he is moving from this place where he is being crystal clear on what he's saying. He's doing signs, wonders, miracles, and then he starts moving toward this parabolic, this, this teaching that doesn't seem to make sense clearly. And he starts out, now, now mind you, he's using things they understand. Like they, most of the people who were in Israel at that time, they were what? They, they were agriculturalists. They were people who sowed and reaped. They understood what Jesus was talking about. What they missed was the implications. They thought that, you know, he was just, you know, you know how we are sometimes to get around these people. You ever talk to someone that they just talk in circles? Yeah. Like they sound so deep and you're like, what on earth did they just say? Nothing. They didn't say anything. They just like to hear themselves talk, and you're like, I'm trying to catch up, but I'm lost. Right? I mean, this happens, right? Well, in those times, it was no different. Philosophers, right? Because that's what, that's what it is. Those people that talk in circles, they want to be philosophers. They want to be philosophers. Hello. Don't be one of those. 
But back in those days, you know, philosophers would come up and they would come with this wisdom. Make you be like, hmm. That's deep. And they ain't said nothing. And so they're thinking Jesus, is he's doing the same thing now. He's, he's talking about something, but they don't understand exactly what it is that he is communicating. And so we see this theme, the gospel, the kingdom of God throughout the gospels. And then you hear this one thing that Jesus says here. You hear this often whenever Jesus is speaking. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear in the, in, in the book of Revelation. He who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, let him hear, right? When Jesus is speaking, it's almost as if he's saying there's some people who are present that don't have ears. And he's not talking about physical ears. He's not talking about that. He's talking about there's some people who can hear. There's some people who are deaf. There's some people who hear truth and they respond to it. There's some people who are deaf. There's some people who hear what God is saying, who hear when God is calling them, and they respond. There's other people who argue, kick, moan, scream, reject. They don't respond. This is factual. And so Jesus begins to talk to them in these parables. Parables are what? They're hidden from plain sight. They're hidden from plain understanding. What they are, parables are earthly stories with heavenly meaning. They're earthly stories with heavenly meaning. They mean more than what you're looking at. But why is it, let's talk about it, why is it that Jesus is speaking to the people that he's speaking to now? Now look, again, I don't have time to walk you through chapters 1 through 12, but you're going to notice multitudes are following Jesus by this time. They're following him. They're seemingly hanging on every word. They're coming to him. They're bringing their sick, their lame, their, their, I mean, they're, they're blind. They're bringing people to Jesus to be healed. Jesus is showing that he is God the Son. He is showing that he is the Messiah. He is teaching them how to live for the kingdom. He's done all of this. And then all of a sudden, it seems like he switches the, the, the script on them, and he starts to teach them in parables. And it was because Israel had become hard of hearing. You're going to see in the next verse that we look at, they had become hard of hearing. He did all of this, and you would think there is no question as to who he is, and yet they still don't know who he is. They're still not sure if he's the one to come. John the Baptist, at one point, he sends messengers to Jesus and says, are you the one to come? Remember John the Baptist, he's the one who baptized Jesus. Hello. He's the one who said, look, the lamb of the world who takes away, the, or the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew it for sure. When he went to prison, he wasn't so sure. He was like, wait a second, am I supposed to go to prison? I mean, I'm saying, like, I was just preaching. I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do. Wait a second, are you the king? Because, you know, trial, hardship, we're going to see this in a moment. All that stuff makes you question Jesus. When life's not easy anymore, we start to question him. Wait a second, we're part of a kingdom. We continue to move forward with that king. We continue to obey. And so what was happening is because of the religious leaders and the religious influence, guess what? They were all trying to point people away from Jesus. No matter the signs and wonders, no matter what he was doing, they were trying to say, no, nah, he's, he, he's a heretic. He's a liar. He's not true. Even though he taught with authority. Man, they were, they were messed up because he was teaching not like them. He was teaching as one who had authority. He was different. But they weren't responding the way that they should. And so Jesus starts speaking to them in parables. Here's what we have to understand is that the gospel is not so much about getting you into heaven, it's about getting the kingdom of heaven in you. Are you here? I can't take credit for that. I saw one of my buddies, he, 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 he posted that. I was like, bro, I'm preaching on the kingdom Sunday. I'm using that, glory to God. I forget who it was he was quoting, but anyway, he was like, go on, get it. I said, amen, I got it. Because that's what it is, right? We, 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 all, we all want the ticket to get out of hell, right? Like, like, that's the thing for us. I, I, if we're 100% honest, like, we just want to know we're not going to hell. We just want to know we got, the we got the golden ticket, baby. We are going to heaven. When I get to the gates, Jesus, here it is. You remember that Sunday, don't you, Jesus? I know every other day after that I didn't live for you, but I have the ticket. Hello. I walked to that front. I, I, I was embarrassed when I, wait, wait, wait a second. I, no, 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 my friends. That's what we want, though, right? We want that security that no matter what I do, I can be forgiven. Is that not true? It's true, right? I mean, that's what the scriptures teach. But that's what we want. It's like, man, I just want to be sure I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live my life like I want to live, but I just want to know that I'm going to heaven. But we got to understand something. The, the message of the kingdom is not just about getting you into the kingdom. It's about getting the kingdom into you. 
It's about, it, it's about his rule. It's about his reign manifesting in us. So here's the question, because I said kingdom soil. I'm talking about kingdom soil now. Because when Jesus gives this example, you're going to see this in a moment. When Jesus talks about this, the, the sower, the seed, and he talks about the soil, he is saying what? He is saying the people who are hearing this message, I'm comparing to soil. So before you check out on me, understand this. You are the soil. And you have to ask yourself a question, a serious question. Am I kingdom soil? Because only one out of three, that's actually kingdom soil. Not every one of those soils was kingdom soil. Now, they were all in the same place, but they weren't all kingdom soil. And so, again, the first thing is what? Is that kingdom soil listens. It hears. And so here's my question. Do you hear? And let me help you answer it before you say, oh, yes, I hear. Do you obey? Because that's the answer to do you hear. The answer to, am I a hearer of God's word, is not that I took notes, not that. <laughs> it's not that I was moved to tears or to laughter, or I was moved to thought. No, 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 it's none of that. The question is, am I an adherent to the word of God? Am I one who obeys God's word? Am I one who does what God says? When God commands, do I follow or do I argue? Do I pick and choose what I'm going to obey? That's the answer to the question, are you a hearer? Not that you stood awake during the preacher. Come on now. Y'all know I'm loud. That's pretty easy. That's a low bar, right? You're not sitting with some monotone dude. I mean, even though I, there's been plenty of people that fall asleep on me either way. But nonetheless, because, <laughs> you know, loud gets monotone too. But anyway, anyway. It's none of those things. It's... Am I, am I obeying? All right, the second thing, the second thing. Say this with me. Kingdom soil, soil. responds. Kingdom soil doesn't just hear, but kingdom soil responds. Look at verse 10, <clears throat> chapter 13, verse 10. After Jesus says this, after he shares this parable, verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So now you see clearly that Jesus, something shifted and the way that Jesus is speaking now. Because his disciples come and they're like, wait a second, why are you talking to them in parables? Like before you were much more clear, now you're talking to them in parables. Why is that? And Jesus goes on, he answers. He said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Again, this is the first kingdom parable. But to them it has not been given. Now listen to these words. These words are so important. For whoever has... To him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. Look at verse 15, very important. For the hearts of this people have grown. You should underline that right there. Have grown. Not that, not that God made them that way. Not that God created dullness in them. They have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who closed them? They did, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. When the scripture says, by his stripes we are healed, it is not referring to physical healing. It is talking about spiritual healing. It is, there are plenty of promises of healing in the Bible. We don't need to debate that. What I am saying is, when the scriptures specifically speaking about by his stripes we are healed, we are all in this dead, devastated, sick state of sin. We are separated from the mercy and grace of God because of our sin, because of our rebellion, and God wants to bring healing. But you know when healing comes, what do the, what, what the videos say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn from where you are. You cannot continue to live how you are living. So kingdom soil hears and kingdom soil responds. Jesus' disciples had chosen. Now look at this. 
They had chosen to leave everything and follow Jesus. They were heeding his word and honoring him as the Messiah, as the Lord, the long-awaited king. Now, mind you, they didn't fully understand who Jesus was until after the resurrection and the ascension, but their hard disposition gave them an in that other people didn't have. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, this is, this is Jesus' words, not my words. Jesus said, he said, it has been given to you, not to them. They are going to be like, man, what's he talking about? But you, you're going to come talk to me, I'm going to explain it to you. You're going to come have a conversation with me, I'm going to help you understand what this is. This is what Jesus communicates to them. Luke 8, 18, if you're, if you're taking notes, you should write this down. In the, in, the, in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record this parable. And each of them says something slightly different about the, the, this particular portion here. I love what Luke says because I think Luke's words are extremely important to understanding and interpreting this scripture that I think is so important. Verse 12, for whoever has to him more will be given. This is what Luke says. Luke says, therefore, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you hear. Mark says, take heed what you hear. And Matthew, he just says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But, but, but I love what Luke says. Luke says, take heed how you hear. Don't just be someone who sits down and idly hears God's word. Don't just be someone who sits down and idly hears what it is that you're hearing and don't, and, and, and don't seek to apply what it is that God is saying. Listen, church is not, I, I, you, you got you to understand this. Church is not about some checklist that we check off our week that, hey, I came to church Sunday, I'm good. No, 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 my friends. What do I say every single week? Every single week. I say, hey, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. The ushers will be sure to give it to you because we want you to do what? Y'all know this by now. We want you to follow along with me in the introduction, and I want you to take notes, and that way you can hopefully go home throughout this week. You can think about what was communicated from the pulpit, and you can what? You can rehearse it. You can meditate on it. You can think. And then we have these beautiful questions that are there every single week. I don't know if you see them, but they're there on the right-hand side. And what is the question? What do you believe the Lord spoke to you today? I may talk for 45 minutes. There may be one sentence that I say that you know God spoke to you. I don't think that every word that I say is like God speaking to every single, no, I don't think that way. But I know this, as we expound God's word, there are things that God is saying that God is communicating. My question is, do you write that down? But, but, but don't just write that one down. Think about the next question. What's the next question there? How will you respond to what the Lord spoke to you this week? Why are those questions there? Because I don't want you to just be hearers. I want you to take heed how you listen I want you to hear from God, and I want you to obey him. Why? Because if you don't, this is when this verse comes into play. For he who has, more will be given. But, but to him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. You know what he's saying? This is how you know you have. You know you have because you walk away. This is what God spoke to me. This is how I'm going to apply it. I'm living this thing. I'm not just hearing another message, letting it come into my head, let it maybe hit my heart, and I'm going to not ever let it hit my feet. No, no, no. I want to be a person who hears the word of God. I want to be a person who lives, internalizes the word of God. I want to be a person who walks out the word of God. Because if I'm not, what does he say? Even he who has, what he has will be taken away. What, 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 what Jesus is telling, he's saying, hey, you want more revelation from God? Obey what he's told you. You know, you, you know, a, a few weeks ago we were praying in here on Wednesday night. And again, let me remind you, my friends, we have prayer on Wednesday night. Hallelujah. We come together, we intercede, we pray for our city, we pray for the needs of the people. We intercede and we, we seek God for revival and for his spirit to move in a great and powerful way. We're praying. So I invite every one of you on Wednesday night, come out. Let's seek the Lord. Let's, let's pursue him together. But a few weeks ago as we were praying, I didn't, I, I was, you know, and, and, and I share this with you because it's important for you to know that it's not always like an open heaven when we pray, right? Like some people get frustrated because they go and they pray and they don't feel Something. It's okay. I wasn't feeling anything. We were praying. We're in worship. We're seeking the Lord. I'm not feeling a thing. Until one moment I started to pray for you. And I started to pray, God, open our ears to hear again. Open our ears to hear again. Because I believe what has happened to many of us as believers, especially us that are a little bit older in the faith, 
What happened? You know, I, I was talking with, with, with one of my mentors. I won't name him. But he started wearing a hearing aid. And he said, you know, as you get older, he's like, you need to do something because you need to make sure that you can hear the same way you used to hear. Remember there was a moment in your life that you heard everything. Some of you are like, I don't remember those days because you ignore everyone. But anyway. <laughs> but there was, there was a time in your life that your hearing was sharper than it is as you got older. And as you got older, people are like, did you hear me? Huh? <laughs> Some of y'all just thought that that was like something that happened in marriage. I don't know, maybe, but nonetheless, <laughs> as you get older, your hearing isn't so well. Can I tell you something, church, and this saddens my heart. That's the same thing for us spiritually. We get older, we think we've heard it all. We get older, we think we know it all. Oh, Bishop is preaching through Matthew chapter 13. I know what that scripture is. You, you already went to the, to the end, the explanation. You're already there. Bishop, hurry up. I got lunch. We got a picnic to go to. Have you heard it all? Do you know it all? Because I know this. I've been walking with Jesus for 25 years, and, man, I realize I do not. The more I walk with him, the more I know I don't know. It's not about me. I'm just saying, like, when I prayed for us, when I prayed for you, it was like, God, give us ears to hear that we wouldn't just walk in and out of your word, picking and choosing what we're going to obey. Help us to understand when, the, when, when your word is being proclaimed, the king is talking. Are you here? I'm not the king. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm, it's, it is not about me. It is about the one who has commissioned me to proclaim his word. It's about him. I'm, I'm, I'm just a mouthpiece. Hopefully, I'm a useful mouthpiece. But listen, it is about the one that's trying to talk to you, trying to get your attention, trying to call you to a lifestyle of holiness and living for his glory, trying to call you to a lifestyle that is uncomfortable, especially by our American standards. Because we just want to be comfortable. I want to give 10%. I want to be blessed. I want to have everything I want. We don't want to have to sacrifice anything. We don't want to have to say no to anything. I already said no to 10%. Come on. For real. I mean, is that not how we think? I already sacrificed 10%. I mean, my goodness, can I enjoy the other 90? Oh, hallelujah. What does Jesus do? Jesus quotes Isaiah. This whole scripture that he's quoting from verse 14 and verse 15, he's quoting Isaiah. And I get depressed when I, when I read Isaiah because, you know, Isaiah was given this ministry to preach, and it was to deaf people. Read Isaiah. You're going to get depressed too. You're going to be like, man, that's messed up. It's like God tricked him. It's like, who are we going to send? He's like, go, Lord, here I am. I just had a glorious moment. Okay, I'm going to send you to deaf people. Go. Man, I can't say no now. No, you can't say no because you met the king. Isaiah goes and he preaches to a hard-hearted people, the largest of the Old Testament prophet in the books. He preaches to a hard-hearted, deaf, stiff-necked people. That's who God called him to preach to. I don't want us to be those kind of people. Minister Hector, he quoted a scripture, don't harden your hearts when you hear him. See, here's the thing, church. God is not concerned how much Bible you know. He's concerned with how much Bible you live. It's important to remember Scripture. But it is of equal importance that you live the Scriptures. Because to what avail is it that you quote all kinds of Scriptures and you can tell me where it's at, but you're not living it? Doesn't matter. God's not impressed. Man, my son, he knows how to quote Scripture. My daughter, she is a whiz. Listen to her quote that Bible. That's not the one he's impressed with. He's impressed with the one that says, God, I want to live for your glory. I want to live for your honor. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, kingdom soil, kingdom soil. is fruitful. fruitful. Kingdom soil is fruitful. Look at verse 18. Jesus says this as he is going to explain this parable to them. He says, therefore, hear the parable of the sower. <clears throat> when anyone hears the words, the word of the kingdom... And does not understand it. I want you to just go back for one second because I know you've read this. I know you've heard this. I want you to hear what he said. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. When anyone hears the message from the king. When, everyone, when, when anyone hears the words <clears throat> of the kingdom and does not understand it. 
Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Kingdom soil is fruitful. Kingdom soil is fruitful. So it should be clear that there are obstacles to us hearing God's word. There's distractions that come into our mind. There's situations that we have going on. But here's the thing. God desires us to be fruitful. The enemy desires for us to be fruitless. But don't, don't get it twisted. You will bear fruit. It just depends on which kingdom you're aligned to. That's facts. Whichever kingdom you're aligned to is, is, is the fruit you're going to bear. And Jesus gives this parable to us, and he explains these soils. He's got four soils here, the wayside. Again, if you're taking notes, I just run this down. We just read this together. But the wayside, that's the one who has no understanding. What, what, what did it say? It said he had no understanding. The enemy came and snatched it away. Have you ever thought about the fact that, man, maybe the enemy is sitting right next to you when you're hearing God's word and being like, let me take that? You ever thought about that? You ever, you ever wonder what happens from here to the parking lot? Come on now. You ever wonder what's ha what happens from the parking lot to your house? You ever wonder what happens from today to tomorrow morning? You ever wonder what, you ever wonder what happens there? The, where, where you go from a moment where you hear God's word, it seems to impact you in some kind of way, and yet something, there's a disconnect between here and there, between here and you living it out. You ever think about what, what, what is going on here? Or it could be the enemy that is there snatching away the truth that's there to deliver you or set you free. Now listen, I know, I, I know some of you are really smart Bible scholars. And I know that this text in particular is talking about people who are hearing the word and are coming into the kingdom. But it is not solely people who are coming into the kingdom. It is talking about people who are bearing fruit in the kingdom. So the first one's by the wayside. Don't be that person. And listen, don't be selfish either. You need to pray because there's people. You, you might be in here. You're like, oh, I'm not that kind of person. Okay, that's fine. Are you praying against the enemy snatching away God's word for those who are hearing God's word? Oh, because he's active. He's not, he's not sitting by idle. He is waiting to snatch away God's word from the hearts of the people who are hearing God's word. Then there is the stony place. What do you say about this person? They immediately receive it with joy. They're like the happiest person on the planet. They hear the word of God. They hear the word of the kingdom. They realize Jesus loves them. They realize that God wants to do something in their lives. And, man, they're excited about Jesus until persecution, tribulation. Really, that's hardship. Until hardship comes. Until you got to lay your life down for this thing. Oh, you know what? Time out. I, I, I was just kidding. But this is what Jesus says. He says that they come, they receive it with joy, but they have no depth, and it is tribulation because of what? It's not just hardship. It's hardship because of the word. Difficulty because the word. And then there is the thorny place. The thorny place, that was the person who hears, but something happens. This is what it says. And, and, and this one, this, this, this guy or gal messes me up. Because you know what it says? It says that they receive the word, but that the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. And what does it say? They're unfruitful. That messes me up. There's debate on whether this person is actually saved or not, right? Like when, you, when you're looking at the parable. But it just says they're unfruitful. Let me ask you a question. Should you care about the things you should care about in this world? That's, like, that, that, that's, that's very philosophical. The way you said that, that was very circular. So let me ask it this way. 
Should you care about paying your mortgage or your rent? Should you care about paying your light, your bills? Should you care about eating? Some of us care too much. But anyway, anyway, I'm one of those, right? Anyway, hallelujah. We're going to have fun. Though. I, I was told that I, gotta, that, that I, have, to, I have to give some critiques or some judgment on some. Uh, anyway, that, let, me, let me get back to the text. Glory to God. The cares of this world. The cares of this world. We should care about the things we should care about in this world. We should, I can't be a husband and not care about my wife. I can't be a father and not care about my kids. I, can, I, can't, I can't be a, a person who is leading a family, not care about the finances of our home, right? Like that's bad stewardship. But can I ask you a question? Can the cares of this world overwhelm you to the degree that you are no longer fruitful in the kingdom? Absolutely. Because those things become idols. He said the deceitfulness of riches, hear me, please hear me. The deceitfulness of riches. Paul warns of those who would run after riches because of all of the things that they would experience. I know some of you, you want to have money and you want to run hard after it. Listen, don't run hard after that to the detriment of your walk with Christ. Don't do it. Listen, I understand you got to make ends meet. I understand. You, listen, I pray and be faithful with the 90% that God gives you. Be faithful with the 100% that he, that he entrusts you with. Be faithful with that, man, but don't be running after money. Don't run after money because the, the end result is not. Listen, you may have all the money in the world, but didn't Jesus say something like, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Those were his words. Those are words of love. Those are words of compassion. Those are words because he cares. He would have been, she would have been fruitful, but they allowed. See, there's something that we, that we understand about the thorns and stuff like that. You know what you can do? You can pull those things out. You can deal with them. You can address them to make sure those things are in place and in order, that nothing is choking out the life of the kingdom inside of you. And then there is the one that I hope and I pray that all of us will be. And that is the good ground. That is the person who heard it. That is the person who understood it. That is the person who internalized it. That is the person who lived it. And what does the scripture say? They bore fruit. Some 100, some 60, some 30. That's what we all want to be, right? I don't know about you. I want to be fruitful in the kingdom. So what does it mean to be fruitful in the kingdom? I have one verse for you before I jump into this, this, this rapid-fire session here of verses. But I want to go back to the thorns because here's, here's what happens. And we have to understand this. I wrote this down. I don't, want, I don't want this to go by. The cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, those are what are called competing gods. Are you here? <clears throat> those are competing gods. And I have a verse. I, I'll give you this verse. Write it down if you're taking notes. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21 to 22. And it says, and one of his disciples said, let me bury my dead. And what does Jesus say? Okay, I'll wait for you. Is that what Jesus said? No, what did he say? That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Especially if you're a person in this place, you just recently had a death in your family. You're like, man, Jesus, where's your compassion? No. It's not that he's not being compassionate. He's calling you to urgency to follow him. He's not, he, listen, he's not, he's not placating to us. He's not saying, oh, it's okay. You can just serve me whenever, however you want. No, 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 he's a king. You going to follow me? Come on, let's go. Follow me. The good ground. We're going to hit this rapid fire right quick. First thing we have to understand, we're talking about fruitfulness. What does it mean to be fruitful in the kingdom? Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16. You got that one? I don't have that one written down here. There we go. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You will, we will be known. This is what Jesus is saying crystal clear in, in, in his Sermon on the Mount as he's beginning to wrap it up. He is saying you will be known by your fruit. You're going to be known by your fruit. Listen, nobody goes and if you want an apple, you're not going to go somewhere and get a banana. Hello. You're going to go to the right place. You're going to go to the right tree. Right? You want a blueberry, you're not going to a, to a banana tree. I mean, I, seriously, I must want bananas. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> but the fact is, 
We will be known by our fruit. So what is our fruit? So the first thing that we have here is this would include holiness. Romans chapter 6 verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God. Did you hear that? Let me read, let me read that again. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Now listen, I know I just talked about heaven a moment ago, and I said we all want to be secure about our, we're going to heaven. But here's what I want you to know. If you ain't looking like Jesus on your way, you better question if you're going. Well, let me say that again. If your life is not looking like Christ on your way, don't be so secure because you got some ticket, some prayer, some memory of something you did. Listen, you should be becoming more like the one who you are getting ready to meet. Are you here? The fruit of holiness should be in our lives. We have become slaves to God. What does that mean? Man, y'all know what a slave is. They don't have rights. Wait a second, but I thought this was the easy life. Oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. Somebody lied to you. Somebody told you a lie. This isn't the easy life. This is a righteous life. This is abundant life. Not e- I didn't say, Jesus didn't say easy. This is abundant life. This is real life. This is real joy. This is real peace. This is real love. This, th- that's what the kingdom is. I said rapid fire, but I keep interrupting myself. This would include holiness. This would include Christian character. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. But the fruit of the Spirit. You want to be fruitful? Check yourself. You got love. You got joy. You got peace. You got patience. The list goes on and on. It seems like a never-ending list. It's only nine things. Hello. (laughs) But you get stuck on one like, man, I'm messed up. Yeah, you're right. The fruit of righteousness, the fruit of the character of God, it comes by him being the king of your life. How about good works? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. He says this, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being fruitful in every good work. Part of what is supposed to happen in us is good works are supposed to follow us. Hello. Winning others to Christ. How about that? Romans chapter 1 verse 13. It says, now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. That what does he say? That I might have some fruit among you also, just as among other Gentiles. What fruit was Paul talking about? Paul was talking about the fruit of salvation. He wanted to, he wanted to preach the gospel to the Romans, and that way there would be people who would come to faith in Christ. Let me ask you a question. Sobering, humbling, very difficult question to answer for many Christians. When was the last time you led somebody to Christ? When was the last time you had a real, like, like not just God is good, no, I'm talking about like a real spiritual conversation with someone who wasn't a follower of Jesus. Maybe they were backslidden. Maybe they were far away from God. When was the last time that that happened? Part of the fruit that should be in our lives is that we should be winning others to Christ Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and verse 38, Jesus looking at the harvest, he says, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up laborers and send them into the harvest. We're all supposed to be laborers. Let me help you understand something. I want to preach a sermon on this so bad I don't have time. But listen, that word is laborers, not volunteers. He didn't say, Lord, raise up some people who want to serve you like part-time. That's what he said. Raise up some people who are going to serve you until, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not comfortable anymore. I encourage you to do this. I encourage you to go and look at this word laborer and, 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 go, and go and figure out, like, go, like, dig deep. Like, do a Google search. Like, what is the Greek word for laborer? And ask yourself this. As a follower of Jesus, are you a laborer or are you just a volunteer? As one preacher said, are you just a fan or are you really a follower? 
Hallelujah. Y'all are quiet on me today. Sharing, sharing what we have. Romans chapter 15, verse 25 to 28. But now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit I shall go by way of you to Spain. And so sharing, contributing, that's all part of being fruitful. And the last verse that I have for us being fruitful is Hebrews chapter 3, I mean chapter 13, verse 15. It says, therefore, by, by him, speaking of Jesus, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. See, when we gather together, as Minister Hector was encouraging us, as he was sharing, and I'm getting ready to close now, but as he was sharing, he was, he was encouraging us of how important it is for us to sing collectively. I love, I love, I mean, I, listen, I get stirred when, when they sing that part, my praise is a weapon. Because, listen, it, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, I don't really need a weapon right now. But what about your neighbor what about your neighbor who can't pick up their sword? What about your neighbor who is getting whooped by the enemy and by circumstances and situation? And because you don't need a weapon, sarah, sarah. See, as we sing songs, what happens is this, is we're built up, we're edified, we're encouraged. But we also realize that our praise is a weapon in the hands of an almighty God to bring deliverance, to bring healing, to bring restoration to lives. And so we are called to be those who offer God what? The fruit of our lips. I love that picture, the fruit of our lips. He doesn't want rotten fruit. Come on now. He wants good fruit that is coming out of our mouth. So you got to ask yourself, are you kingdom soil, right? you got to ask yourself that question. As we're getting ready to close, you got to ask yourself, am I kingdom soil? Am I soil of the kingdom? Because here's the question. The question is, is there a way that you can become fruitful? Is there a way that you can guarantee that you are kingdom soil, that you're not this soil that is shallow, that you're not this soil that is being choked up by the thorns, that you're not this soil that, 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 that doesn't hear what God's word is saying? There is one guarantee. And again, you can write this down. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. Jesus says that he is the vine, you are the branches. The Father is the vine dresser. And anyone who abides in me, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, and I'm paraphrasing this, you see it behind me, you're like, well, Bishop, that, that, I'm just paraphrasing for you. <laughs> if you don't abide in me, you're going to be like this branch that is taken, that is thrown in the fire. I don't want that for anyone in this room. And so as I said, my closing question was, are you kingdom soil? Are you kingdom soil? If you abide in him, you will be kingdom soil. If you remain in him, you will be kingdom soil. Father, we humble ourselves before you in this moment. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the truth of the gospel that sets us free. We thank you for the hope that we have in you, Lord. And Father, in this moment, I just, I pray for us, God, as we have been before your word, as we have been before your presence, I pray, Lord God, that we, I pray that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. I pray, Lord, that we would have ears 
that we would be open to your truth. Father, we've, we've, we've heard your word. We hear your call. I hope we hear your call to be hearers of your word, to be doers of your word, to be adherents of your word. And Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters that they may be choked out by the cares of this world. They may be consumed by things that don't, that don't matter. In the long term, they don't matter, God. I pray for them. I pray that the deceitfulness of riches, I pray that the cares of this world would not choke the life out, that they would recognize where they need to repent and turn because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would liberate us from the enemy who steals away your word that comes to our lives for us to live. And I pray that you would help us to be obedient, to honor your name, and to bring you glory as you are truly worthy of, God. Father, remove those things from us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said...